We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. And welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. This is Jason Floyd, your host, and I'm joined today by co-host Loretta Eaton. Good morning, Loretta. Good morning. And uh, again, we are sharing the microphones, and um, Loretta, as usual, has a, a stack of stuff, so uh, we will be getting into the stack of stuff later on, but... Um, we are going to have two special guests here today. Uh, one is Matt Morse. Uh, he currently is a seated board member on the Kenai Peninsula Borough uh, School District uh, School Board. And he is running for uh, re-election. Uh, good morning, Matt. Hey, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Good morning. So um, it's election season, folks, and uh, I guess the, 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 uh, the polls uh, are open for folks uh, for absentee voting, and the big day, what is that, October 5th? Uh, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, October 5th, folks. So um, pay attention because uh, elections have consequences. If you haven't noticed, um, those of you in Anchorage and other cities across the nation might have noticed that elections have consequences. But uh, uh, before we launch into it, um, you know, there are a lot of rules out there. And uh, because it seems that we're a nation of, of rule followers rather than think- thinking individuals now, um, we're just going to jump right in and, and give you some of our own rules. These rules are actually brought to us by Joshua Belter, uh, he is a local Kenai resident, and he wrote a book called The Book of Rules. You can find this on Amazon. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little read. Um, but uh, if you didn't have enough rules in your life, uh, we're going to give you a couple more. So we're going to jump right into the gutter this morning, and uh, we're going to talk about Board of Rule number 8-15, Men's Public Restroom Rules. Since <laughs> you're, uh, I'm not going to have anything to say. Loretta's going to opt out of this conversation. All right. So uh, it is often necessary for males to use public restrooms with urinals placed in a row along a wall. This creates a shoulder-to-shoulder configuration of men, which is quite uncomfortable for most men. The following guidelines are established to reduce the perceived reduction of men hood while conducting a necessary bodily function <laughs> a care should be taken to ensure the urinal or stall selected does not neighbor another man when occupancy allows so don't just sidle up next to your bro and say hey how's it hanging uh b every effort shall be made to avoid eye contact with other individuals using the facility so don't don't uh, turn to the left or right and bat, uh, bat those long lashes. Matt, you can join in at any time. 
Yeah. Um, remember, these are important rules. Uh, C. Vocal exchanges are forbidden. So one. Absolutely. Uh, conversation with other individuals must be abruptly halted after a man stands in position behind a urinal. Two. Halted conversation may be promptly resumed after both men are no longer in position. And three, brief statements may be made in position if it is determined that omission will have a significant negative impact on anyone in the facility. For example, it is allowable to say, I saw a rat in that urinal while in position. Uh, that would have a negative consequence on everyone in in the uh, the restroom. A. Acknowledgement to necessary statements shall always be accomplished non-verbally. These acknowledgements are generally affirmative or negative nods and hand gestures. And as uh, Mr. Belter is so kindly often does, he he has created a, a little graphic here. It's Board of Rules 8-15. Head motion is restricted to 20 degrees to the left or right of the center line of the orientation of an individual while in position. So you, you all can, can yep. see that, uh, that, that great uh, graphic there. Uh, and if you thought that that was all, there's more. So D, uh, as I said, the, the head motion is to be restricted 20 degrees to the left or right. E, loud moans and sighs of relief while in position are permissible when not directed at other individuals and when no comprehensible words can be discerned. One, this practice is generally considered vulgar and strongly discouraged. So, uh, inquiring minds maybe didn't want to know that, but now you do. Sometimes you gotta sigh, you know, though. I mean, it's like... You, you just have to. you have to do it. It's part it's part of the process. That's right. If you don't it's let like, the wow, sigh, I should have went like twenty minutes ago, but I'm here now, so it's gonna be a long one. Yeah. So uh, the the second rule we're gonna read is women's public restroom rules. So so Loretta, you can weigh I, I in am, on this. No, I, I am not. I am not. No, I am not familiar no, with this territory. No. no. Uh, no, you can, no. So this is bathroom this etiquette is, is never talked about. This is a no, board no, of no, no, rule eight sixteen <laughs> women's public restroom rules. So the procedures for women's public restrooms differ considerably from male facilities and are significantly less restrictive. As women women's visits to public restrooms are sometimes social visits. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. manners and grace shall always be exercised to the extent possible. Don't ask me how Joshua knows this. Uh, well, uh, that's what I. That was what always good. How does he know? I, uh, he's, I, how does he well, know? Well, he's married to a very, a very nice lady. I'm okay. sure she, she set him straight. So, okay. a, um, or actually, uh, yeah, a women's visit. Uh, these guidelines were established to enhance communication, reduce long lines, and streamline the effectiveness of an often chaotic process. This is the okay. women's restroom. Oh, okay. So, A, in the event of long bathroom wait lines, women should be conscientious of others. Women requiring the immediate use of facilities shall be given priority in line. 
One, whenever bathroom facilities are overcrowded and long lines are present, women shall utilize facilities as expeditiously as possible expeditiously as possible social interactions shall be conducted politely and promptly uh, b any conversation conducted in public restrooms shall be considered confidential what happens in the bathroom stays in the bathroom well yeah um and falls under the women's code of communication (laughs) which is another rule by the way oh uh such information shall not be shared with others unless specific verbal approval has been obtained Any conversation falling under the women's code of communication shall be abruptly abruptly terminated after any of the conversing women exits the restroom. Two, loitering in public restrooms for the sole purpose of overhearing information covered under the women's code of communication is prohibited. Now this this tells so, so me. So if you're a gossiping yes, this, if you're if you're yeah, a gossiping see, Karen, yeah. and sorry to all those Karens out there, but if you're a gossiping Karen, then. Uh, you better observe the women's code of communication. This tells me he's never been in a woman's bathroom. <laughs> that, that right there. Yeah, that, that right there. Yeah, tells me. Yeah, he's just he's going on second, third-hand knowledge by somebody that wants to look good. Okay. All right. Okay. Already. So, um, Take this with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like 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 it's almost like a Masonic rite. It sounds know. like. And, you know, you can only tell because he never talked about women have to go to the bathroom in pairs. Uh, C, expense, inexpensive toiletries shall be willingly shared mm. with any woman in need. Mm. We're not going to discuss what no. those might be. But B, D, yeah. um, I'm feeling very yeah. uncomfortable now. Y- you should. I'm, 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 you I'm, should. I'm, I'm sorry for those on Facebook because I just <laughs> totally covered up the camera for yeah. like, I don't know. Um, but uh, D, the existence of lavish accommodations in women's restrooms such as recliners or hot towels may never be discussed with men. So you you don't have those in your bathrooms? No. <laughs> no, no. Oh. No, and if we did, that would just be so gross I wouldn't even want to touch them. Yeah. I don't know, they're new every time. All right. So, <laughs> enough with the jocularity. Yeah. Um one of my favorite lines from the MASH uh series was when uh when Father Mulcahy was talking about jocularity so we'll have to look up that word later so matt tell us a little bit about uh your role in the school district what 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 exactly what what mysterious processes happen behind the scenes of the kenai peninsula borough school district uh doors yeah i wouldn't say there's anything uh mysterious i mean you know everything's got to be posted the week before you know our meetings and things like that, just just to maintain the legal legality of uh, of a public meeting. So, um, but I've been on the board since 2018. Uh, the first year that I was on there, I was uh, a member of the policy committee and the only board member on career and technical education committee. <coughs> um, so it was a committee of one. Yeah, different committees. Yep, yep, committee of one. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of other people. There's people from Marathon. There's people from you know, different industry, um, Kenai Construction Academy, lots of different people go in there. There's somebody from the hospital, um, and we all kind of meet and talk about, you know, how to further career and technical education for 
for mostly our high school kids, but, um, and actually we ran some summer programs uh, last summer too with like drones, drone academy and things like that. So we're doing some pretty fun stuff. I think kids are enjoying it. Um, we've been through a lot since I've been on the board. Uh, you know, the, we had the fires, the one, the one year that pretty much killed school for, you know, the whole spring semester traveling between here and Anchorage. Um, we've got COVID obviously. We've had a couple change outs of superintendent. We've just completed our second contract negotiation for our employee group. So there's been a lot that's happened since I've been there in three years. Yeah, I'm, I'm just watching people walk in and out of the, the coffee shop. And they uh, there's one gentleman in particular that holds the door open every time we do the podcast. So we get all the highway noise. <laughs> it's like, go the rest of the way out. <laughs> He's out now. So anyway, um, continue. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's, um, actually, I've, I've taken on a lot more. I think uh, I think they realize that I get things done. So I'm still the only board member on the Career and Technical Education Committee. I'm now the chairman of the Charter School Committee. I'm still on the Policy Committee, and I'm the chairman of the Finance Committee. And I was one of two board members that participated in um, interest-based bargaining with our employee groups for the last, I don't know, six months. You know, I think we started in January or late December, and then you know worked through that up until it was it was actually voted upon here recently. So, been been a lot that's happened since I've been there for sure. So, so what is the biggest fish issue you see that's facing the school board uh, over the next semester? If you were to say, I know that you plan things on year and five year basis, you know, long term goaling a goal setting, but. But also, you've got things that just crop up and happen. Yeah. So, so what would you say in the less next semester is going to be the biggest challenge for the school board? Um, funding is always a big thing because, um, you know, we're not forward funded. So it's always kind of like a surprise, like, hey, you guys get this much money to, <laughs> to run the schools this year, you know. So um, I really wish we would go to more of a forward funding kind of a thing so we kind of know a year in advance what kind of funding we're going to have and I think a lot of us uh, on there have advocated for that for the folks down in Juneau for whatever good they are um, probably shouldn't get into that but uh, oh no we get into that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really really not very happy with uh, what, what's going on in Juneau so well I know that forward funding was something that came up this session uh, or actually the, the the first session now that we're headed into our fifth session uh, actually uh, October 1st so um, we're officially in the fifth session now uh, who could have known that it would take five sessions for the legislature to and they got paid up till three of those right I mean they got per diem up till three the third special session that's it's crazy you know it's, it's a lot of money <laughs> it's a lot of money regardless per diem and juno is not cheap well and juno is just not cheap in, in in general but um that's probably a discussion for later um loretta do you have any any questions or comments uh, for matt you know explain why they wouldn't want to do forward funding i mean what what's the, you know what would be the what would make it easier so that they could do forward funding. Right now, obviously, they find it difficult to do. What would make it easier? Well, probably if they did more long-term planning on the budget. I mean, it, I think some of the stuff that happens down there, I just don't even know what kind of sense is involved with it because 
I mean, for example, you know, this year they didn't it didn't even want to give you know follow the law and give people their full permanent fund. And and you know, I mean, the fund is eighty two billion dollars now. It gained sixteen billion in the last year. There's no reason that sh they shouldn't have, especially with everybody being out of work and things with COVID. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't have given everybody a full PFD. Well, do you, it seems like so much of politics today is about control and, and not actually about substance of like what makes sense. Uh, it seems like the whole world is out of control and, and um, that policymakers and politicians and people on yeah. boards like the school board yeah. You know, want to impose their will on people who've elected them to represent them, rather than yeah. reflect the will of the people who elected them to represent them. Yeah. And case in point, one of the things I wanted to bring up, I heard today, or actually yesterday, was that um, the school board, or not school board, but uh, and I don't know what the school board's role in this is, but that the school district is going to go back to masking uh, for all students, that they're going to require it. And that it's going to be happening here very soon, in the next uh, couple weeks or so. Um, and uh, we see that uh, there's a trend across the nation that um, is, uh, is requiring that for kids as young as kindergarten, that they're going to have to be masked when they're at school. So what, any comments on that? Any, do, you, do you have any insights for us on where the school district is heading with the mandates and masking and vaccines and all that kind of stuff yeah no i i haven't heard that um so that's interesting but i did i've been very vocal at our last couple meetings and i said you know i think the reason that people were so pissed last year is because right after the count happened nobody was in school so i and i've been telling people if we're not going to meet what the expectation is people's expectation for public education then why are you going to put your kids in our buildings don't Put them somewhere else. Don't give us the funding. Funding's the only thing that's going to change what happens. Well, and, and to that point, I had I had a parent come in and say, you know, I feel like the bait and switch has happened. Yeah. That this well. uh, this uh, this masking's going to occur now that we have uh, re-enrolled our children. They've been in school long enough that they're no longer eligible for the homeschool funds we could have otherwise otherwise pursued because we've enrolled our children full-time in the school and now the school's going to play shenanigans now that they've got mm -hmm. their funding secured they're just gonna gonna you know pull the plug and say well we're going back to to mandates we're going to go back to uh these sort of these draconian measures because you don't really have a choice now no it's not it's our funding is not solidified already that's what I, that's why i was very vocal the last meeting i said you know the oasis counts happen the first two weeks of october so really, you know, next Monday is D-Day. If parents aren't happy with what uh, is going on, if they're, <laughs> if they're concerned with uh, rumors that they hear that there's going to be other things happening, pull your kids. Put them in Idea. Put them in Raven. There's lots of other <laughs> options, but don't put them in KPBSD. Yeah, vote, vote, with, so, your, vote with your feet okay, and your so, dollars. So I'm not – I don't go to school board meetings. I don't have a – child in school so I don't follow that that much I'm not understanding and maybe you know I'm not understanding where they get the information to make the, this decision on because there's so much information there's three countries there's Switzerland there's Norway there's another one that have not masked their children their children have been in their children have been in school and they're, they've, they're they've dying got, by the tens they've of got thousands, some of the lowest they? covid counts oh wait no they're not you know and there's so I'm not understanding I don't even want to discuss policy because I'm so confused about how they're making the decision. So maybe you can address that. 
Well, and like I've been very vocal at every meeting when people say, well, you know, we're afraid everybody's going to die. It's like perspective, right? Perspective is, I mean, if, if you're going to make data-informed decisions, first of all, you need to have data, which is why when this, first, when this thing first happened, I said it was perfectly legit to say we're going to stop everything until we figure out what it is we're dealing with. But we've got data now. We've got a lot of data, good data. And you know what? Kids under the age of 19 aren't high risk for COVID. I mean, and, and everybody that's over the age of 16, if they want the vaccine, they've been vaccinated. So I'm not sure what the contentious, you know, why there's still, uh, I mean, mandates are crazy. We've never had a, a medical mandate in this country. There was a funny little clip that I saw in OAN yesterday where they showed every single, you know, Saki and Blinken and all these Biden guys. And, oh, no, you know, Fauci, of course, he was, you know, he's the new God, right, Fauci. Oh, no, we're, you know, I don't think, I don't think you're ever going to see a national mandate. Well, here we are. And, the, and that's, that's what they're pushing. So what I hear you saying is that we've got school board members that really are not evaluating the information. They're dealing from a personal, personally, uh, a, a personal perspective they're they're not even have you can you answer if you've ever sat with the entire school board in a room minus the people and looked at data looked at data from israel looked at data from england looked at data from iceland any other country and made decisions not just what they're seeing in their coffee shop when they go or or what ann zinc is telling them (laughs) yeah no, I've, I've, I mean, there's a few board members that have done a lot of research. I mean, obviously, Greg Madden was, you know, he, he was pretty outspoken along with myself. Um, Jason Tarianan, he's constantly talking about studies. I mean, he's, he's been a little bit more pro-vax than I think he should be. But, uh, yeah, no, there's been several discussions, uh, particularly in work sessions, about, you know, is it really dangerous? And, I, you know, it's kind of funny because at the last school board meeting, um, I can't remember if it was the uh, – which meeting was it? It had to be the July meeting in our work session. And, um, you know, we were talking about the vaccine. And I, I said, you know what? I said, I'm tired of this. I said, here's the, here's the truth. If you want long-term immunity from COVID, then get COVID, get over it, and you'll have T-cells, you'll have antibodies, and you'll have long-term immunity. And, you know, it's funny because not only did some people in the audience not like that, what I said. Loretta's, but, uh, Loretta's having a little fit over here. She's throwing piece yeah. of paper around. She's got all of the all the she's got all the documents in her stack of stuff. You're just you're slaying it today. You're you're totally destroying her do, her, her her stack of documents because you're hitting all the high points she would have right. carried later in the show. But go well, ahead. you know, I actually had people attack me and ridicule me on email. In fact, if you go to Matt Morris for uh, School Board, I don't have a Twitter account. But somebody made me aware that there was, uh, and I don't even think it's, I, I, I know who it is that, that uh, originally, that I originally emailed it to because, um, and they tried to black out the name and stuff, but you got to be a little smarter than the average cat to fool me. So I know who, who, whose post it was that reply of an email from my school board email to them um, giving evidence saying, you know, I, I, I understand where you're at with this, but you're maybe you maybe need to turn off CNN a little bit, you know, get some other perspective. And uh, and, the, and and there was one guy actually, and he's a, he's a Kenai constituent. He turned me into the Department of Education. He wrote a long email. Well, I've I've submitted I've I've turned you into the Department of Education for your comment about getting COVID. Great, it's the truth. And 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 it, like like uh, you were saying. 
Loretta, you, you, don't, you, know, you she, don't think he was trying to intimidate you or oh, maybe, or maybe sway your position I was, by threatening you? Well, that's why I was very vocal at our last school board meeting. I said, oh, and for all those people that out there that attacked me and ridiculed me and, and said that natural immunity wasn't as good as the vaccine. I mean, I don't know why we're having that discussion anyway. Are you going to trust something that God developed for us? Or are you going to trust something that man did? Uh, to me, it's just, just a stupid little, it's not even making any sense. But, um, and I said, so here's the deal. There was a recent study done by Tel Aviv University in conjunction with Israeli DHSS that shows, ding, 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 data, right? That natural immunity is at least 13 times better than any of our vaccines. So... Did you there say you go, thir- guys. Did you say 13 times? 13. Well, so there's that's, the reason so we can't do it. So that's the truth for all you guys out there that, oh, no, natural immunity is not the answer. Well, why, yes, do, why don't is. we just cherry pick the data from the Tel Aviv study that we want to spin our own narrative like Ann Zink does. Actually, she was at a, uh, a meeting that our friend April Orth went to. Mm-hmm. April's been studying and following the, the Israeli studies a lot because they have the highest vaccination rate in, in the world. world. Yeah. So if you're going to look at a control group or, or a, 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 yeah. a group of folks, a population, and look at it from a population level, not just 2,000 people here, you know, yeah. selected through a double-blind blah, 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 but you actually look at the whole population and pull that data and then draw your conclusions. She's been She's been following that like a data hound and... And Ann Zink was was patently just just cherry picking, you know, things that and, and because the the I think it was a borough assembly meeting because there was no way for the public to rebut what she was saying. She got to she got the podium and, and was able to just, you know, continue to spread her propaganda. And that's what it is. It's propaganda at this point yeah. um, because they're, they're not interested in real, uh, really looking at all the data. They only want the set that supports their narrative. Right. Yeah, April actually posted a really interesting uh, video. I don't know if it's still up because it, <laughs> it was on Facebook, but, uh, you know, they are the censor commie, commies. But, uh, um, you know, there was a show done recently by Mel Kay. And I don't agree with everything that she says either, but she had Dr. Artis on there who is a, uh, I think he's medically certified in four different areas. He's, a, he's like a licensed chiropractor. He's a, a naturopath physician. He's got like four different things that he's done medically. So, he, I, you know, I'm pretty comfortable that he knows what he's talking about. And, and he actually went into details about how his own father-in-law was not treated correctly when he was, you know, submitted in, into the hospital, had to go, had to, had to be, uh, you know, pulled into the hospital in the ICU. And he said, first of all, they're giving these people high-dose antibiotics. Well, anybody that knows anything about biology, antibiotics aren't going to work against a virus. Okay, that's number one. Um, and they're giving them remdesivir is if, if they're non-vaccinated, right? Remdesivir. Who if, needs a liver anyway? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, all it does is fill the body with fluids, and you're going to drown in your own in your own water in your lungs because you can't exchange oxygen. So, oh, but, 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 but see, then you're not dying from COVID. You're not dying from remdesivir. It's... It's just a freak pneumonia. But the ones that are vaccinated, they give ivermectin. I wonder why that that's, is. That's strange. And I don't know that that's happening everywhere, but I'm sure it's happening in a lot of places. So if you're going to have two different treatment protocols for, for different patients, you're obviously trying to drive a narrative. Well, so. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to kind of rewind the, the, the virtual tape here, if we will, back to an episode where... Loretta shared some information about what the Australians did with a group of kids. How many kids was it they put in that, that stadium? 
I don't. It's, it's like twenty four thousand. Twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand. Forcibly vaccinated. Forcibly vaccinated. How many died? The first day, the first hour, two, two died. Two one, died one, in the first two hour. Died. And one or two were uh, hospitalized. Yeah, they, it, I, I seem to remember yeah, the number yeah. seven that yeah. there were some uh, seven yeah. like negative negative yeah. consequences for yeah. kids right away. Yeah, um, and I've, I've got let's, an let's talk about let's yeah. talk about Australia for a minute because as we talk about data and we talk about policymakers and we talk about these leaders that are supposed to be representing our best interests, let's talk about Australia. Everybody's seen the riots and heard mm-hmm. about what's going on there. Tell us what you have in your stack of stuff, Loretta. Well, which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you were talking about uh, uh, corruption. Oh, 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 this is the premier. They have premiers of their provinces. And this is Southwest. It's like the governor. The governor. Right. Just like the governor. And she's just been, and this is brand new. This information just came out. I saw it yesterday, today. But she has been removed because of charges of corruption. And one of them was taking kickbacks from vaccine companies. Oh, wait, wait, and wait, wait. And Southwest Wales is the state that is got is the most locked down when you see all the rioting in australia it's in southwest wales all the lockdowns they're 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 going to people's homes and they're knocking on doors and they're saying we have an email that we have a a post and it says you know you showed that there's uh you know a demonstration are you going to attend it they're actually preemptively going to houses and asking people about future behavior this is southwest wales and so, so the premier was the premier, taking she it, bribes. One, of the, one of the charges is that they're going to be looking at her taking bribes from vaccine companies oh that could never happen oh, here yeah well right that could sure, never happen sure. here have you ever heard about uh, you, you know, know what the blood hunter the, biden and the blood his, his the blood artworks? the blood of the dead yeah. the blood of the dead are on the hands of these government officials yeah. and i and i'm talking directly to yeah. you and zinc I'm yeah. talking directly to you, Governor Dunleavy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking directly to you, Adam Crum. I'm yeah. talking directly to those in the Capitol who continue to comply with masking. Yes, those of you who are conservative, who are still wearing masks and say that you stand for liberty, you have to stop bending the knee. You have to stop bending the knee. There is so much money flowing throughout this evil process. There I, is, yeah, there is yeah. the, 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 you know, the Bible says that the root of all evil, that love of money, not yes. money itself, but the yes. love of money is the root of all and, evil. And, and if you yeah. cannot see the evil in the world today. No. And it's, it's, it's made people go crazy. You know, in the state of Minnesota, early on, they bought into the narrative that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were going to die. So they made, it's, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to laugh because I'm a cynic and this just everything I read just justifies the idiocy of the people that we've got running our countries our, our states they made they bought a building and they converted it into a morgue a huge morgue that was never used so what do they expect to happen they they expected hundreds of thousands of people to die well you know there are a lot of people who are getting sicker and sicker as they take the vaccine I heard today yep. uh, when we were talking about kids yeah. I was hearing about like a 12-year-old girl mm-hmm. was vaccinated. Yeah. This was on One American News this morning. Yeah. She had to have both of her hands yeah. and her legs amputated. Amputated. amputated yeah. Because, but, you know, she took one for the team. Thank so, you very so, much for taking so one Matt, for the team so that Matt, all the virtue signalers out yeah. there can feel safer. Yeah. 
we'd like you to take that back to the school district, your work sessions. Take back. Take photos of children without legs. Take so, photos of dead children. How, how take many? Take photos of the, the young men that have gotten myocarditis. Yeah, that, that was another one they talked about The today. myocarditis. 12-year-old kid dying yeah. from myocarditis. What, <laughs> what they don't realize, the and I did not realize, I never put it together, it's actually the, the, the hazard is per shot, not the series of shots. So every time you take a booster, you've actually gone back into that, and you've got the same... It's like vaccination roulette. It, it is. And it's it like, won- here, we'll load one in the chamber, yes. spin it, and go, click. Oh, I'm good. I'm safe. Yeah. And then yeah. let's go get our second dose. So Spin. Yeah. Click. So, Dodge that yeah. bullet. So right now, Fauci's got... We've now have got three shots. We, you know, he's changed. He's changed the definition of full vaccination. Vaccination. We've gone now to three. So at some point, and uh, I've got an article by a guy that said for young children, the 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 uh, exposure is the same. Whether you get COVID and uh, hurt yourself or you get the vaccination and have problems, it's at two. So your child should not get the second vaccination, and they're gambling at the first one. Well, in, and we recorded uh, uh, an episode, a special episode earlier this week. You might have seen that on Facebook. Some people were able to listen; other people's weren't. I was uh, weren't. I was told that the sound kept going up and down, and I don't know why it was doing that. Uh, I have my suspicion that it was uh, some external influence. But um, you know, let me take my tinfoil hat off for a minute, <laughs> set it over here. Um, you know, somebody said that just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're wrong. And yeah. um, uh, really what's important here, Matt, thank you for running again for yeah. uh, school board. It's very important that we, we work together as a community to get good people in office, people who are going to represent us, people who are not going to take bribes, mm. kickbacks, yep. or get this unhealthy sense of uh, justified power where they feel like, like they are the philosopher kings who can rule and reign over us because we're just the poor, stupid, huddled masses that don't know any better. Yep. Yeah, and you know, you talk about rates of adverse reactions. <clears throat> the uh, the biology guy side of me and the, 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 the guy that wants to seek data, wouldn't it be interesting? I mean, certainly everybody's body is going to handle a shot differently because we're all different. I mean, that's, just, that's the truth. But wouldn't it be interesting if somebody, let's say, that had access to these vaccines <clears throat> and wanted to do the right thing, pulled off 100 samples and did an independent evaluation on what is actually in the vaccines? Because here's the deal, and you can call me the, maybe this is a tinfoil hat thing. Would you like to thing. borrow my hat? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. You know, if you've got Gates going on TED Talks, you know, some years ago saying, well, you know, we're at the carrying capacity of this planet and we need to depopulate, you know, down to whatever it is, 3 billion. I can't even remember what the number was he said on the TED Talks. But, you know, and then you realize how how intimately he is involved in these vaccines. Wouldn't it be interesting if one in every 20 vaccines was was the death shot, just like you just said, the roulette thing? I bet you, if you evaluated them independently, you'd find there some is, variability. There is, in there it. is variability in those things, so you are kind of—that's my opinion. It's a vaccine roulette. I mean, 
Welcome you know, to the figure party. it out. If you know how many people you want to depopulate, and you know how many vaccines you're going to make. You know how many vaccines you need to make that are bad, right? If, if you want to, if you want a good in in my mind now, I just my my mind was called back to that movie with uh, was it uh, Christopher Walken, Deer Hunter? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that mm-hmm. movie, Deer Hunter, and a bunch of bunch of steel workers go off to Vietnam and they all lose their souls one way or another and. There's a scene where he's totally, completely lost his mind. He's been on drugs, and and uh, he's seen all the death and killing. And, you know, it's a pretty brutal m- movie. But there's a scene where he's in this Vietnamese bar or underground place where the game is roulette. And he wins for a long time. Mm-hmm. But eventually you lose that game. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel comfortable with Alaska Airlines saying that by the end of December, everyone in their company will be vaccinated because they have government contracts. And Joe Biden says they can't have government contracts unless everyone in their business is vaccinated. Do you want to fly on an airplane with a pilot who's been vaccinated, been playing the the vaccine roulette game? Well, you know... (laughs) Funny you bring up Alaska Airlines, right? I, I think they should just take the Alaska right out of their name because, I mean, this, some of their recent activities. Seattle Airlines. That's yeah, what they yeah, are. They're let's, Seattle let's do Airlines. SeaTac Airways well, or call something. It, call it pro- I mean, progressive, you know, the, the, the communist cannonball or something. I mean, if they're one of major donors that have contributed to the Iditarod, you know, pretty much since the Iditarod's inception. I thought they pulled out. And they're going to stop because of some pressure they received from PETA. You know, that's people eating tasty animals. That's right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually wrote to Alaska Airlines and I said, you know, I, I can't remember what exactly email they sent. But I said, if you guys keep up this crap, I'm going to get rid of my card because I, I don't really have a balance on the card anyway. I use it to get air miles and then I pay it off. So, you know, I'm not going to support that kind of crap. Just like Coke. I mean, Coke is my favorite soft drink. But you know what? If they're going to be woke and they're going to say, wow, you're white, you're racist, you need <laughs> you need some training, some diversity training, guess what? I'm not going to buy your product. Guess what? Pepsi exists for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> what about Wells Fargo? Why is there still a Wells Fargo here when they're, you know, uh, their policy is not to fund any oil and gas development? You know, I, I think we should go after Wells Far- Fargo for their image of the stagecoach. Uh, an oppressive image of westward expansion and colonialism, yeah. the subjugation yeah. of the yeah. uh, indigenous yeah. people. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, yeah. uh, how dare you, Wells Fargo, mm-hmm. continue to mm-hmm. oppress us with the image of the stagecoach? You know, shame on you. The the thing that's hard, though, is like people don't realize, you know how many products Coke makes? I mean, it's not just Coke. They make smart water. They make teas. They make all, you know. I think they're some kind of energy drink. So people really need to, you know, you be, you need to become educated well, consumers. We, we, we sell we sell all their products here in the shop. You know, yeah. we got Monster and yeah. Rain yeah. and Coke and you know. But if people want to pay, you know, if they want action and they want to do things with their money, their dollars, they need to really educate themselves on what these companies stand for, what products they make, and don't support it. Don't support them. Well, no. and and if yeah. if your employer is threatening your your job. And telling you that if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to have a job. I would say, I'll call that bluff. Yeah. You, you go ahead and fire me. Yeah. You go ahead yeah. and fire me because there's, yeah. you know, okay, so we have a company of, you know, 100 people. So we all have to get vaccinated. There's 20% of us that say we can't because we have medical reasons. We have religious reasons. We have philosophical reasons, whatever the reason may be. 
but we're just not going to do it. So go ahead and fire us. And then those 20 people turn around, they hire a really good lawyer, and they sue mm-hmm. the face off of that company. Mm-hmm. And then they also sue the government and bring a class action. We get enough of those types of actions. You, you, you don't walk off the job and don't feel like you have to be coerced. Stand up. You know, the nation of, of Germany was a nation of rule followers. And the people didn't wake up one day and said, hey, let's annihilate an entire race of people and let's get rid of the homosexuals and the, uh, the invalids and the uh, mentally infirm all. Yeah, and, and let's do it in really inhumane ways. Let's, let's, let's do medical experimentation on them until they die. Isn't there some striking resemblance with that whole thing, the Nazi movement and what's happening today with uh, your vax status? I mean, you, you know how they got people to, to rat people out and turn them in, right? Mm-hmm. The government said, hey, you know, all these Jews, they're, they're contaminated with typhoid. You know, if you want to die with typhoid, you know, let them, let them exist. But if you don't, you better turn them in so that we can track them down and make sure that they're going to be, you know, they're gonna, their health is going <laughs> to be, you know... Not contagious to others, and guess what? A lot of so, those guys got sent to gas chambers. So let's not let's not give the person opposing you any kind of airtime by by saying their name. No. Mm. But let, let's let's talk about that right now. Uh, you present a, a minority voice in the in the school board, if I if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, I get outvoted all the time on stuff. So so but you're a pretty conservative guy. Yep. You think pe- parents should be able to make decisions for their children and Well they pay taxes, right? I mean it's, it's kind of a funny thing that I saw the other day is people are saying like, you know, shouldn't in uh, you know shouldn't religious or private schools be able to get the funding for their kids, right? Well, let's look at it. Everybody pays taxes for school, right? But if you send your kids to private school, you're paying the taxes for them to go to public school, plus you're paying the fees for them to go to private school. So you're actually being discriminated against by your education choices for your kids. You're just an overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know. But you do not want, no, don't even go down that road. You do not want funding to go to, you do not want Christian schools. You don't even want 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 the government's money in there. Because that's what's wrong with our medical system now. But you should, you should, you should be able to opt out of the tax if you can show that you are paying for an alternative form of school. Yeah. You know, and, and so instead of having to pay that tax, then yeah, yeah. Your percentage of money going to support the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District when it's taken in total with everybody else's is not as much as you're going to pay to send your kids to Cook Inlet Academy. Right. But if you choose to send your kids to Cook Inlet Academy or choose some other, other and I only say that school because it's the largest, I think, private in school area. in yeah. our area. But, but uh, And it's a very fine establishment with a very nice drive through coffee shop out in front of it. Oh, yeah. 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 So... Um, we might know something about that. If, yeah, you if there's any question on that, you should you should go to one of their graduations and see how many hundreds of thousands of dollars of scholarships go to those kids because it's pretty impressive. And what percentage of the student body actually gets those scholarships versus what percentage gets it in the public schools? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So you know, um, we need we need to have better representation on the school board, and and so so Matt is the only person on the ballot for his his uh, district. Uh, for his region, um, but the left really doesn't like him, and so they're running a write-in candidate 
in the 11th hour, and they don't want that writing candidate to have to debate Mr. Morse. They don't want that writing candidate to have to do any work. They just want to shoo him in, and, um, you know, he's a long-time establishment progressive hack. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, I don't want to make it a negative campaign. No, no, I will. But no, I've, no, I've, I've that, had personal experience. I understand it's. <laughs> I understand experience. it's not. I understand it's not <laughs> so, your position. No, but as the show host, yeah, it's my position. No, but what I'm saying is, is he was my, he was a teacher of mine when I was a junior in high school. Well, now you just told everybody who he is. Okay, so, <laughs> so and, and he was a coach. So right? he might be he, a great. He, he might be a great teacher, but what's he teaching the kids? Is he teaching them progressive woke? You know. Well, crap? here's the thing. Uh, the number one duty of a school board member is to advocate for kids. Yeah. And I can absolutely say there was a situation that occurred that year at an away meet for track where he did not advocate for me. And mm-hmm. hence, the right thing didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So one thing I can assure people is I will always advocate for kids. I will always do the right thing. And when I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do my best to do it because that same person, interestingly enough, I saw him running for his re-election campaign on the sidewalk in Kenai last year during the sign waving that happens on Election Day. And he specifically said, well, yeah, this is my last hurrah. Well, obviously it's not because here you are. Your name's popping up again as a potential candidate for a Isn't pop- that curious? So, you know, that, that happens on a is, very cyclical sort of... Uh, so is that an integrity issue? I mean, I, I, if I tell you something, I'm going to do it. If I tell you I'm not going to do something, I'm not going to do it. So, so, so that's is, so I think those are three your, big differences. Your... I'm going to advocate for kids. I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. So that that's that's three right there. That if you like that, great. I'm probably your guy. If you don't, vote for the other guy. Well, and I th- I think you're seeing. You or, know, no, I'm, I'm not going to say. Don't say that. Say <laughs> say just don't vote. Don't vote. Just don't, don't vote. vote. Don't, don't say vote. no. <laughs> but I also think you're seeing Terry McAuliffe, who's running for governor or something, came out and he said the words that should not be said. He said, "I don't think parents should have." I'm paraphrasing. I don't think parents should have anything to do. Yeah, with I what heard that. Yeah, and that's been actually they found that similar quote with three other two to three other well, good. Then maybe, liberal... Maybe, maybe the, uh, maybe the, you know. uh, the school board can, the school districts can, can have their own embryonic hatching centers, yeah. and they can take on all the expense of yeah. rearing uh, mm-hmm. young embryonic mm-hmm. children and, and into you know, an age where they can actually go to school, and then they can feed yeah. them and clothe yeah. them and house yeah. them and protect them. And but, but the arrogance of, of our, our leaders, our elites, and I actually think the Secretary of Education... The current one said something similar to that, or somebody in his department said, "Well, you know, parents have too much, and they actually want to have." Yeah, they're not—they're not the stakeholder. No. I heard, I heard. That yeah, maybe it was Terry McAuliffe yeah. said, "You know, well, well, teachers are stakeholders too." Yeah, but they also want to have parents that. You know, I don't uh, get paid. No. Teachers get paid. I don't get no. a three-month vacation for my children no. every year. No. Stakeholders, teachers are stakeholders. Well, this is what Give me a freaking break. Yeah. Well, they're a stakeholder in their job. They're employees. They're a stakeholder in their job. And and while many of them are awesome people, yeah. at you know, the very bottom line is yeah. they're employees. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if and, they don't do their job right, yeah. they get fired. Yeah. I don't get fired. Yeah. Well, I guess if I abused my children, I could get fired. Yeah. You know, they could but, take my children from but me. But I also think the Secretary of Education said something similar in a, in a you know, 
conversation with someone or an, he said, well, you know, parents are going to school board meetings and being cranky because their their leader lost, you know, Trump lost, essentially. He was implying that we're so stupid that we go and we object to critical race theory masking because Donald it? Trump lost. Did, did he lose, though? That's that's the question, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> from what we're seeing, he didn't lose, right? I mean, <laughs> that should be obvious to everybody. <laughs> nothing, nothing to see here. Yeah, but that's not the reason why people are upset about critical race theory. They're upset about critical race theory because it's critical race theory. Well, you know, I'm going to go off on a quick tangent here because we have people on Facebook that are watching. We've got six people watching right now, which is awesome. Um, speaking about losing elections or winning elections or just elections in general, I want to let you know that April Orth is in the house, and she has been researching some really important information at the Kenai, uh, in the Kenai Assembly, or, or City Council, and they have rammed through an ordinance that strips Kenai of election integrity, mm-hmm. strips it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bob Malloy. Yep. I mean, what the heck... Well, if you know cheating works, you want to keep at it, right? I mean, (laughs) if you get the results that you want, you're going to obviously do whatever you can to keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, um, uh, to that point, I want folks on Facebook to know that at uh, 2 p.m. today at the Elks Lodge in Kenai from 2 to 4, you can go and you can meet uh, uh, Deborah Sonart and James Baisden. They're both uh, running for... Kenai City Council. They're both conservative candidates. Uh, Tia Winger is going to be there. Uh, Matt, are you going? Uh, yeah, I'm going to actually guess. So Matt's going to so, be there. Yep. Uh, April is going to be there. But you need to go and talk to these folks because the left is aggressively pushing. They're not letting up. No. They won't be satisfied until we're all on our knees with masks on our faces and zip ties around our arm, our our, uh, our our wrists. Yeah, in, ca- in case anybody hasn't noticed, this might be a you know um, a news alert for you. But we are at war for our country right now. So you know, if if you like the things that you see Biden doing, I mean, then just keep doing what you're doing. But if you if you don't like the things that you see that are happening on the national level, we need to take our country back. And a lot of these really studious people like Newt Gingrich that knows how to do things like that says you need to start at the local level. So we really need more. And, and I don't want to hear people say, well, I'm not qualified. Have you lived? Can you fog Have a you mirror? voted? Have, can you read a book? If you, if you are a or, housewife, or, or even can, you're qualified. Or, or can you just listen to folks? Can you just listen to folks and then reflect back what they've told you? Yeah. Because really the, the purest form of our democratic process, our, our republic, is to is to reflect the will of the people. The locus of our, all governmental power is with the people, of the people, by the por- people, for the people. And so you may just be a window washer, and you may not have never read a book, but if you have an altruistic sense of service and you're a good listener and you can relay what you've been told or what you've heard and then say, you know, in the context of what we're discussing right now, I don't think that would be a good idea because all the people I'm talking to are concerned in this way. 
we're not looking for the smartest person in the room to solve all our problems for us so that we, that we can stop thinking about them. See, that's the biggest fallacy, I think, that, that plagues us in Juneau and, 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 well, even in our local assembly here, is that, that people, there are people serving who believe the reason why they were elected was so the rest of us could go back to Netflix and not care about it. Yeah. And, and so they get this overinflated sense of self and importance. And, you know, I was elected for my intellect and my yeah. good looks. And because I can make choices when others are too ignorant to make them for themselves. And that's why I was hired. Yeah, I, I actually said that at the last school board meeting. I said, you know, from our actions last year, I'd sit there and, and ask myself, you know, we've sent out all these surveys. People have given us feedback about what they want. So, you know, could we, we follow what they say? You they know, want? it's like, are, are they not smart enough to make their own decisions or kind of a, a carry through on that is. Are we protecting them from themselves or, you know, do we just not care? We don't care. I would contend it's a power play. <laughs> it's arrogance. It's arrogance. It's um, elitism. Elitism. They think that, no, they, you, you said it, Matt. They think there's, they're smarter than us just because, you know, look what they did to Eric Dugar- Dugarte. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the... Um, Hugarte. 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 He's running for city council in Soldatna and... They, you know, I've met him. He's wonderful. He he may not be everyone. He is not polished. He's not polished. He's, someone said he's every man, which is what we need. And didn't the Clarion um, go after him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they just, published his criminal history, which he has not hidden the fact that no. he's an ex-gangbanger and that he did things to reach the highest levels of acceptance in his gang, which yep. is some pretty heinous things. Yeah. Pretty heinous things. But then he tells you his testimony about how he came to God and how he turned his life around. How he got off substance abuse, how he's part of the local uh, recovery community. You know, you know it, it, when I worked for Providence a long time ago, I was a, a behavioral health counselor and prevention specialist, and I worked with youth. And when you're working with kids that are addicts or kids that are, are in that subculture, the drug culture, um, walking into a room in a nice pair of slacks and a cardigan is not going to win friends or influence people. Yeah. So when I would go to work, I would put on a clean pair of jeans. I would have a nice pair of shoes, uh, everything well laundered. I would be well manicured and groomed. Um, you know, but I'd wear a t-shirt with a, a flannel button up over it. And then when I meet with the kids, I'd unbutton the button up and I'd kind of get the, uh, sort of upgraded yuppie version of grunge. Mm-hmm. And uh, because just the way you dress either erects barriers or drops them. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, what has polished gotten us? You know, there's a lot of politicians out there that are polished. But I would submit that many of them are turds. Yes. That they are polished turds. That yeah. they are filthy, ugly, despicable people on the inside who've just learned how to polish themselves and put just yeah. enough shine on the penny. Yeah. That it, as, as it shows you about the corruption, you look at every single one of these politicians, elected or not, or, you know, people behind the scenes, their corruption shows up. If they're corrupt in their personal life, they're corrupt in their political life and their, their business life. You know, I have to talk about Eric. I've met him. I've sat in a room with him several times. I feel that our culture created him, allowed, uh, allowed his early life 
to go on, the, the policies that we put in place, the things we've allowed to happen. And now he comes and he wants to participate in life and we turn our noses up at him as though, like, oh, well, we don't want to see that. Kind of like the school board does when a parent comes into the room and it, has a complaint. Exactly. And oh, I, wait, well, you, you know, know, when you're not here yeah. and we make a poli- policy decision, then you complain yeah. about it on sound off. We say, well, you never came to any meetings. Yeah. We don't know. You know, we don't know unless you tell yeah. us, unless you participate. Yeah. you got to yeah. participate. Well, now people are participating, and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sit down and shut yeah. up, yeah. or we're going to take yeah. a recess. Yeah, I find what the clarion did to Eric contemptible they never bothered to find out who he was how he's changed i would love to look at the background of whoever wrote that article and say is your are you that lily white are you that pure how let but let's put your background up and let's let's navel gaze on it the, the clarion is that, is that the same uh is that the same paper that was talking about the borough mayor taking a horse dewormer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that yeah. would be you one know. in the same. And yeah. you know, the Clarion has become just a rag sheet of of uh, leftist opinion. It does. The, you know, we expect the paper to have some opinion pages. You know, letters to the editor, op eds. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but when the entire document becomes one big tabloid. You know, they 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 create a disservice to tabloids, and, and they're not even. It's not even as though they're clever enough to have their own opinions. That you know, it, it, I would appreciate it if they have their own opinions, but they've obviously obviously seen something somewhere that says you have to react this way, and they're following it. Take take a look at the Clarion next time you decide to accidentally pick one up, <laughs> and uh, look at the bylines, and see how many articles are contributed by the AP. Interesting. And don't actually originate in our community, but you can read the Clarion mission statement that talks all about and gives these aspirational statements about your hometown paper and community. They're just they're just a megaphone for the outside world who could give a care less about our community. Same kind of New York Times, Atlantic kind of stuff. I mean, that's yeah. yeah it's yeah. just it's 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 despicable. But um, I wanted to you know we're we're drawing to the end of the show here. Uh, we're in minute fifty seven, and I wanted to draw attention real quick to a website you need to check out. This is called GenociderWatch.com, and uh, it's a pretty powerful site. Um, and what this site does is it tracks all the genocides across the globe. And it, it talks about how genocides emerge. It dissects the genocide and talks about how they're organized um, and uh, what the stages of genocide are. And if you go to 10 stages on, the gen- on, on their page, I'm going to read those to you real quickly here, and then I'm going to get into the definitions, and then I'll probably wrap up the show. But I want you to listen to all of these things and do a self-inventory of where are we now as a nation, and do we, do we actually fit any of these definitions of these stages? So the 10 stages are classification, symbolization, discrimination, dehumanization, organization, polarization, preparation, persecution, extermination, and denial. So classification. All cultures have categories to distinguish people into us and them by ethnic race, religion, ethnicity, race, religion, or nationality, German and Jew, Hutu and Tutsi. Bipolar societies that lack mixed categories such as Rwanda and Burundi are the most likely to have genocide. 
Democrat and Republican, maybe. You know, yeah. that might be, we might be looking at a cultural divide there with all the uh, outflow of people going to red states who are trying to flee the, the, the blue tide. You know, we've heard of red tide being poisonous. In this case, the blue tide is. Uh, one of the most important classifications in the current national states, nation state citizen, uh, system is citizenship in a nationality. Removal or denial of a group's citizenship is a legal way to deny the group's civil and human rights. Legal way. Remember, we're talking about rules. Oh, yeah. The first step toward the genocide of the Jews and Roma, or the, uh, the, the gypsies, in Nazi Germany were the laws to strip them of their German citizenship. Burma's 1982 citizenship law classified Rohingyas out of the national citizenship. In India, the Citizenship Act denies a route to citizenship for Muslim refugees. Native Americans were not granted citizenship in the United States until 1924, and centuries of genocide that decimated, after centuries of ge genocide that decimated their populations. The main prevention measure at this early stage is to develop universalistic institutions that transcend ethnic or racial divisions, that actively promote tolerance and understanding, that promote classifications that transcend the divisions. The Catholic Church could have played this role in Rwanda had it not been riven by the same ethnic cleavages as Rwandan society. Promotion of a common language in countries like Tanzania has also promoted transcendent national identity. Laws that provide routes for citizenship to uh, immigrants, citizenship to immigrants and refugees, break down barriers to civil rights. This search for common ground is vital to early prevention of genocide. So if you think about the influx of all the migrants into our country, are they being uh, enculturated? Are they being required to learn the language? Are they being uh, required to become part of the national melting pot? For years now, uh, they've been changing government forms to no longer have them all in English. And in doing so, they further isolate these minorities who then can be taken advantage of. Um, the second stage, symbolism, and I'm not going to read all of the remedies, but uh, I'm just going to read the, the, the signs. Uh, so that first one, I read the remedy. Uh, in, under symbolism, we give names or other symbols to the classifications. Deplorables might be one. <laughs> we name people Jews or gypsies or distinguish them by colors or dress, red and blue, mm -hmm. right? Um, and apply the symbols to members of groups. Classification and symbolization are universally human and do not necessarily result in genocide unless they lead to dehumanization. When combined with hatred, symbols may be forced upon unwilling members of pariah groups, the yellow star for Jews under Nazi rule, the blue scarf for people from the eastern zone in the Khmer Rouge uh, area of Cambodia. Uh, Vaccine or immunity passports mm -hmm. would be one way to symbolize mm -hmm. people. Division. Division. So the third is discrimination. A dominant group uses law, custom, and political power to deny the rights of other groups. The powerless group may not be accorded full civil rights, voting rights, or even citizenship. The dominant group is driven by an exclusionary ideology that would deprive less powerful groups of their rights. The ideology advocates monopolization or expansion of power by the dominant group. It legalizes uh, 
the victimization of weaker groups, advocates for exclusionary ideologies, um, or advocates of exclusionary ideologies are often charismatic, expressing the resentments of their followers. We've been more than patient with you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right? We. Who's we, Mr. Biden? Examples include the Nuremberg Laws in 1935 in Nazi Germany, which stripped Jews of their German citizenship and prohibited their employment by the government and by universities. Oh, Alaska Airlines, you can no mm -hmm. longer get government contracts unless you comply. Yep. And it's not just Alaska Airlines, but many others. Um, discrimination against Native Americans and African Americans was enshrined in the U.S. Constitution until the post-Civil War amendments and mid-20th century laws to enforce them. Denial of citizenship to the Rohingya Muslim minority in Myanmar led to genocide in 2017 and the displacement of over a million refugees. The fourth uh, item is dehumanization. One group denies the humanity of the other group. Members of it are equated with animals, vermin, insects, or diseases. You are the cause of the virus. Mm -hmm. It's not a long shift to go from you are the cause of the virus to you are the virus. Mm -hmm. Dehumanization overcomes the normal human revulsion against murder. At this stage, hate propaganda in print on hate radios and in social media is used to vilify the victim group. It may even be incorporated into school textbooks. Indoctrination prepares the way for incitement. The majority group is taught to regard the other group as less than human and even alien to their society. They are indoctrinated to believe that we are better off without them. The powerless group can become so depersonalized that they're actually given numbers rather than names, as Jews were in the death camps. They are equated with filth, impurity, and immorality. Hate speech fills the propaganda of official radio, newspaper, and speeches. How much rhetoric have we heard recently from blue state leaders? And um, from this Biden administration. Say that again. Newsom, uh, I think they just announced in California, yeah. he wants to vaccinate all students. Well, I think yeah. he mandated it. He mandated yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which is unconstitutional. But who is who is going to not bend the knee? And what's going to happen to them when they don't bend the knee? Biden is already um, mobilizing OSHA against companies with 100 employees or more who will not comply with the vaccination requirement. And the, They're weaponizing the bureaucracy. Yeah. And the fines are tremendous, tremendous. I think uh, it was $14,000. No, it's or, up to 70000 Oh, now. it's 70, 70 now per, per... Per offense. Oh, okay. That, that, that weaponization of the government, though, is that really anything new? I mean, didn't, didn't we see that under uh, Obama, you know, with, with the, the IRS, IRS and right. the Tea Party? Well, that was just an opening group, shot, so. a volley, an opening volley. <laughs> Department of Homeland Security weaponized ICE, you know, and that's why we've got so many problems with the border. So the fifth item is organization. Genocide is always, always organized, usually by the state. 
often using militias to provide deniability of state responsibility. So January 6th, they went after people who broke into the Capitol, unarmed people who broke into the Capitol and killed no one. Right. And... No, they killed somebody. No, no, the, 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 the rioters didn't. Right. Yeah. No, and there they, was somebody and, that died there, though. And, and, and they weren't even rioters. They were demonstrators. Yeah. And... Um, but meanwhile, the whole year before, the nation burned oh, yeah. under the black shirts. That's it, what we will call Antifa from now on. Yeah. They're the brown shirts of yeah. Nazi Germany. They're the black shirts. They are the de facto militia wing of the Democrats. But it's, it's even worse now because what we've got is major corporations, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google, going after. They've joined with the government to, you know to restrict speech, to decide what's right and wrong. And, uh, you know, banks have even decided they've banned certain people because of their beliefs. They've said, you can't use our system. You're not allowed to. You can't drill for oil in Alaska. You can't drill for oil. But, you know, uh, uh, PayPal has kicked people off because of that. GoFundMe, uh, GoFundMe decides whose morals and values are, are worth funding. Bless their hearts. <laughs> so sometimes organization is informal, like Hindu mobs led by local RSS militants or decentralized terrorist groups. Special army units or militias are often trained and armed. Where did the pallet of bricks come from? They just showed up. Who funded yeah. that? Who delivered yeah. them? Who allowed them to stay there? Was it the state? Was it the Department of Parks and Rec or... You know, who who was ordering that to happen? Well, if you see pallets of bricks showing up, I mean, shouldn't that give you some indication that maybe they're going to build a mobilize building. some law enforcement there or I mean, that you know, that those these are silly questions. But, right. You know, I mean. arms flows to the state and militias, even in violation of U.N. arms embargoes, facilitate acts of genocide. So states organize secret police to spy on, arrest, torture, and murder people suspected of opposition to political leaders. Right now, the Marine Corps has jailed yeah. a soldier who handed a baby over the wall yeah. in Afghanistan because he went in plain clothes yeah. to a Trump rally on his personal time. Yeah. And he's been put in solitary confinement and he doesn't have access. His parents don't have access to him. He gets one phone call. And he makes his call to his mom and dad. It's a two-minute call and says, get my lawyer. And he has not been charged with anything. They told him to, to be quiet and not talk about what he did in Afghanistan. They threw a lieutenant colonel in the brig, too, didn't they, for questioning uh, what Millie and Austin, right. how they handled that, uh, that whole catastrophe. So, so when Matt says that we are at war, understand we are at no. war. And not in a figurative way. This is a literal way. We are experiencing a, a coup of our system and our culture. And it is being run by Big Pharma and the oligarchs and the social elite. Social elites. And don't forget, companies like Coca-Cola, whose products you have here, funded Black Lives Matter. Give me a break. 
I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just pointing it out. Hey, you they're know, the, they're the, they're the just, cheapest provider that I can, I can, you know, see, and that's, I'll, that's I'll our problem. That. That's our problem and, and as yes, a nation is we are nation. addicted to yes. cheap goods and products that yeah. are provided yeah. by people who do not reflect our, our values. But the other thing that people don't understand, this is a, a bit of a sideways, but you know, these small companies, they get a great product. The major corporations come and buy them out, keep the name. And so you think you're buying like right. a small company's product. But they're, is, but, but they're the big not. transnational it's the conglomerate. Big tran- it's the huge transnational. And they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these small companies. So motivations for targeting a group are indoctrinated through mass media and special training for murderous militias, death squads, and special army killing units like the Nazi Eitzengruppen. I don't know if I pronounced that right which murdered 1.5 million Jews in Eastern Europe. The sixth item in genocide, the progression of genocide, is polarization. Extremists drive the groups apart. Hate groups broadcast polarizing propaganda. Laws may forbid intermarriage or social interaction. Extremist terrorism targets uh, moderates, intimidating and silencing the center. Moderates from the perpetrator's own group are most able to stop genocide, so are the first to be arrested and killed. Leaders in targeted groups are the next to be arrested and murdered. The dominant group passes emergency laws or decrees that grants them total power over the targeted group. The laws erode fundamental civil rights and liberties. Targeted groups are disarmed to make them incapable of self-defense and to ensure that the dominant group has total control. Let that sink in. So you may be identified if you follow Trump as a white nationalist. And as a white nationalist, if you're a Christian and you follow Trump, now they elevate you to the same level of terrorist threat as a, as a fundamentalist Muslim terrorist. Seven, preparation. National or perpetrator group leaders plan the quote-unquote final solution, either to the Jewish, Armenian, Tutsi, or other targeted group question. The question. They often use euphemisms to cloak their intentions, such as referring to their goals as ethnic cleansing, purification, or counterterrorism. They build armies, buy weapons, train their troops and militias. They indoctrinate the populace with fear of the victim group. There is a sudden increase in inflammatory rhetoric and hate propaganda with the objective of creating fear of the other group. Political processes such as peace accords that threaten the dominance of the ruling group through elections or prosecution for corruption may actually trigger the genocide. So those folks who just want to get along, the people in Juneau who are still wearing masks because they feel that decorum is necessary, wake up, people. Our liberty is being lost. No amount of polite rhetoric is going to change the course unless you grow a spine, stand together shoulder to shoulder, and say, not an inch further, you're going to fall on the wrong side of history. And the people will judge you as such.
Wouldn't it be nice if they had, uh, you know, some of these special sessions in a place on the road system where people could actually go and interact with our legislators? That's too? almost like asking the board of game to meet on the Kenai Peninsula. It'll never happen. Or the school board to care about the children at this point, you know. So the only way that we can get the school board to care about the children is if we run for school board, like Mr. Morris has here. Three more items. Persecution. Victims are identified and separated out because of their national, ethnic, religious, or racial identity. The victim group's most basic human rights are systematically violated. So getting a jab. Maybe some of these are out of, the order, out of order, but they exist nonetheless. Um, they're systematically violated through extrajudicial killings, torture, and forced displacement. Death lists are drawn up. In state-sponsored genocide, members of victim groups may be forced to wear identifying symbols. Their property is often expropriated. Sometimes they are segregated into ghettos, deported to concentration camps, or confined to a famine-struck region and starved. They're deliberately deprived of resources such as water or food in order to slowly destroy the group. Programs are implemented to prevent procreation through forced sterilization or abortions. Children are forcibly taken from their parents. Genocidal massacres begin. All of these destructive acts are acts of genocide outlawed by the Genocide Convention. They are acts of genocide because they intentionally destroy part of a group. The perpetrators, and that was all in bold, the perpetrators watch for whether such massacres are opposed by an effective international response if there's no reaction they realize they can get away with genocide the perpetrators know that the UN regional organizations and nations with powerful militaries will again be bystanders and permit another genocide extermination go ahead Matt yeah I was just gonna say um, you know because we hear a lot of people saying, well, there needs to be mandatory masks in school. And again, perspective says if you've got a 99.997% survival rate under the age of 19, that, and actually there's been another study since then that included all the asymptomatic cases that are actually there, which included another 200,000 cases. So really, I mean, you've got, it's, it's like one in 500,000 kids under the age of 19 is gonna probably not make it through you know if you go with statistics if you go with statistics but you know i would encourage all you out there all those people out there because there are people saying we need a mandatory mask in school for everybody there why don't you look at all the other effects that masks have on kids because if if kids aren't gonna die from covid or very few are gonna die and the ones that honestly you know if, if they have autoimmune problems or things like that then I would say they shouldn't even be in public well, see right? the, pr the, the problem here is that I don't believe it's about health and safety for kids at all I, I think it's just a red herring it's something that's being used as the reason because because it's easy and pol politicians have done this for time oh yeah infinitum it's for the children yeah, but I would it's, encourage the people that are, the, that are saying... It's for the babies. Yeah, well, the people that, that are that are demanding mask mandates and things, you know, you need to go on and look at studies that talk about hypoxia from wearing masks, which increases heart rate, and that can be actually a long-term effect. 
of an increased heart rate in kids from wearing masks. Why don't you look at um, anxiety? You know, social emotional health is a big thing for our district down here. The board unanimously voted a couple work you know, a couple years ago to add on four more counselors. For I mean, obviously we're in an area where we've got kids that are dealing with things at a higher rate than they do in other areas. And and social emotional health for kids is important. So look for anxiety. Why don't you look up depression? And what does depression lead to? Suicide. There's lots of other reasons. Remember when remember when our great our great president Trump said the solution to the problem can't be worse than the problem itself. That's what we're doing. That's what that's exactly what we're doing. But see, you can't win a political campaign by combating depression. You can't you can't take total coercive control over a populace by talking about uh, depression because it's not the great fear. It's not catchy. It's not spreadable. It's not, you know, and they've couched everything in this, in this, it's, it's really playing to the ego of the nation, to our individual selfishness as people. And, and I contend that this is the last great movement of the baby boom generation. Who did this virus affect most? The baby boom generation. The baby boom generation has moved every, uh, every single social trend since the day they were born. They launched Gerber baby foods. Lee Iacocca made the Mustang car because he, he, all the baby boomers were young teenagers wanting a sports car. It was the first affordable sports, sports car. The baby boomers created the minivan. The baby boomers drove the huge real estate bubble of the 80s. The baby boomers have driven every trend. All the helping professions have been looking at this large bubble. For, for the last 20 years, they've been talking about what's going to happen to nursing when all the baby boomers get to the age where they need care. When they're drawing down Social Security. What are we going to do with social workers when a majority of the baby boomers were the ones holding social work positions and they all age out of the system, a system that has become more and more socially controlled where you need more and more social workers. And I used to be one, so so I know a lot about this. I actually went to a National Social Work Congress as a young professional representative for the National Association of Social Work Boards, the the regulatory body that, that trains all the boards across the nation to regulate licenses and practice. And that was the topic, was what are we going to do? Because the, the schools are not keeping pace. The schools are not keeping pace with, um, sorry, I had a phone call trying to come in. Uh, schools are not keeping pace uh, with cranking out social workers fast enough to replace all the people who are leaving. Here's an interesting fact, Jason, and, and I heard this a couple years ago, and I'm, I'm actually going to add it into my speech here later today, too, over there in Kenai at the Elks Lodge, but um, this should scare the hell out of everybody that's conservative um, because millennials were really the first generation that made it up through our system that have been, I would say, indoctrinated, right? By 2025... Millennials are going to be the biggest voting block in our country. Think about that. Have you had conversations with millennials? I, I've, I've had conversations with my kids that I wake have, me up from a dead sleep. I, I, I have several millennials in the family. Yeah. 
you know, but we homeschooled them, so. Yeah, they're they're not all that bad, and, uh, you know. Said when no one I, ever. My, my, daughter's, <laughs> my daughter's a millennial, and she's, she's actually not that bad. When the rubber hits the road and they have to take control, I think you'll find that they change really quickly. But the, but, but the millennials you know, are the ones rushing out getting the vaccine. They're, well, they're arguably one of the least endangered yeah because they they want to be protected you've got to understand that's also the first generation that was brought up that they were allowed to feel that even as a two-year-old their opinion mattered which really it doesn't what does a two-year-old know you know but when they were 16 or 17 it's a good thing you don't have kids anymore because they would come to your door and knock on it and say there's a social worker there to check on the mental health of your child yes but you know, I'm not you saying, told your two-year-old your opinion doesn't matter. How no, I dare never, you? never said that. I never said that. <laughs> but you know, in the way things uh, really run, no, it, their opinion doesn't matter. Just like a sixteen-year-old's opinion doesn't matter when it comes to whether you know when you're going to go buy a house. Do you really put them in the mix and say what what you know where do you want us to live and you, you know, know how surprisingly, big there's a lot of people that do. They have a lot. They have a problem then because the 16-year-old <laughs> leaves home in three years and, and doesn't pay for the house. Right, right. right. You know, and they, I've well, maybe the 16-year-old wants them. to inherit the house. I well, don't know. <laughs> the way things are running, they're not going to be able to. So, but, uh, you know. extermination begins and quickly becomes the mass killing legally called uh, uh, genocide. Uh, uh, boomers? <laughs> is that what you're leading up to? It is. Ex- I'm a boomer. <laughs> well, you know what? Ironically. <laughs> uh-huh. Look at who's dying in the hospitals right now. Mm-hmm. It, it you know, is. the government would tell you it's the unvaccinated, no, but the not. converse is true. The converse is it's the boomers that are getting yeah. their second or third roulette yeah. jab, yeah. and they're dying in droves, and they're not being reported. And we've seen yeah. story after story over the last couple of weeks of how this is the case. But they also died. And just because it's not reported doesn't mean it's yeah. not happening. They also died from the illness, too, though. It was, it was really a targeted... And it was the comorbidities that they had. As you get older, you do have stuff that goes wrong. So this is and, a, this is this is part of the extermination, the yeah. genocide. But to, as, as a boomer, I resent the fact that if they their policy, if they targeted it to protect us, just as a person, I would find that offensive because that's not the way public policy should. It doesn't work. matter what you think, though. I know. I mean, really, I that's what our government's telling us. I know. It does not matter what no. you think. You will do as you're told. Yeah. You will sit down, shut up, and take the vaccine, yeah. or else we yeah. will deprive you of travel. Yeah. We will deprive Which you of have. social interaction. Yeah. We will deprive you of your small business you've yeah. worked years and years for. We will deprive you of relationship with other people. We will deprive your children of a normal, normally uh, healthy, adjusted uh, experience at school. We will do everything that we have our, the power to do. That's what our government is telling us. Wouldn't it be interesting if they say the unvaccinated can't go buy groceries? That's coming. France, France, Switzerland. Spoiler alert. Parts of Germany. Right. Yeah. Right. Australia. They won't let you leave your house. So we're talking about extermination level uh, occurrences. So extermination begins and quickly becomes the mass killing legally called genocide. It is extermination to the killers because they do not believe their victims to be fully human. So we can just exterminate them. When it's sponsored by the state, the armed forces often work with militias to do the killing. So now doctors and nurses who won't take the jab in New York are being replaced by the military. So the military is going to be in charge here so- shortly of our, of our 
uh, medical systems. And the military is not there to be an objective partner in your, in your health. They're there to take orders. And if the order comes that every third person that comes in is going to get this special shot, you have no, no say in that. Um, so it says uh, the when it's sponsored by the state, armed forces often work with militias to do the killing. The goal of total genocides is to kill all the members of the targeted group, but most genocides are genocides in part. All educated members of the targeted group might be murdered. Burundi, 1972. All men and boys of fighting age may be murdered. Uh, Srebrenica, uh, Bosnia, of 1995. All women and girls may be raped. Darfur and Myanmar. These are all genocides that have occurred. Mass rapes of women have become a characteristic of all modern genocides. Rape is used as a means to genetically alter and destroy the victim group. Sometimes the genocide results in revenge killings by groups against each other, creating the downward whirlpool-like cycle of bilateral genocide, as in Burundi. Destruction of cultural and religious property is employed to annihilate the group's existence from history. Armenia, 1915-1922. through 1922. Daesh, ISIS, 2014-2018. Uh, to 2018. Total war between nations or ethnic groups is inherently genocidal because it does not differentiate civilization uh, civilians from non-combatants. Carpet bombing, fire bombing, bombing hospitals, and use of chemical or biological weapons are war crimes and also acts of genocide. Terrorism does not differentiate civilians and combatants, and when intended to destroy members of a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group is genocidal. Use of nuclear weapons is the ultimate act of genocide because it is consciously intended to destroy a substantial part of a national group. And the final stage, denial. Denial is the final stage that lasts throughout and always follows genocide. It is among the surest indicators of further genocidal massacres. The perpetrators of genocide dig up the mass graves, they burn the bodies, they try to cover up the evidence and intimidate the witnesses. They deny that they committed any crimes and often blame what happened on the victims. Acts of genocide are disguised as counterinsurgency if there is an ongoing armed conflict or civil war. Perpetrators block investigations of the crimes and continue to govern until driven from power by force when they flee into exile. There they remain with impunity like Pol Pot or Idi Amin unless they are captured and, and a tribunal is established to try them. During and after genocide, lawyers, diplomats, and others who oppose forceful action often deny all these crimes meet the definition of genocide. They call them euphemisms like ethnic cleansing instead. They question whether intent to destroy a group can be proven, ignoring thousands of murders. They overlook deliberate imposition of conditions that destroyed part of a group. They claim that only courts can determine whether there has been genocide, demanding, quote, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, end quote, when prevention only requires action based on, a com on compelling evidence. Isn't it interesting that China, you know, they're being accused of genocide of some groups in the, within China, the Uyghur Muslims, and yet they're one of the first ones to jump in and say they're going to help Afghanistan after we exit that. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. If I were the Taliban, I might not uh, think that that relationship was a particularly good bedfellow. That would be a bad idea. 
So, but anyway, um, thank you folks for joining us. Uh, thanks, Matt, for coming in. Uh, we were hoping to see uh, Micah Shields here today. He must have gotten sidetracked or... Uh, maybe we had a mix-up in communication, but we will try and get him on. I don't know that it'll happen before the election on the 5th, but folks, you need to go out and you need to vote. Do not wait. And if there's a way for you to document how you voted, do so. Because our election system... It's questionable, right? I think I mean, there are some serious questions about it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, everybody that's... Uh, you know, Kenai voter that wants to meet uh, Baisden or, or Miss Sonart or myself, you know, we're going to be, as Jason mentioned earlier, over at the Kenai Oaks Lodge from 2 to 4. And so. you've been pretty reachable, Matt. Do you want to give any contact information for folks if they want to reach out to you personally? Yeah, I mean, there's my school board email address, of course. Um, I think it's just mmorris at kpbsd.k12.ak.us. All right, do that half that speed. Uh <laughs> mmorse at kpbsd.k12.ak.us um, you can also hit me at uh, Matthew Morse for school board at gmail.com and uh, and Morse I, is spelled M-O-R-S-E right Morse code yep and my number is 252-0573 he especially likes calls at 2 a.m. 3 a.m. <laughs> now he's uh, nervously laughing so maybe that's not the case Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us again for uh, the Amalcan Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. Uh, it's been great. We look forward to seeing you again next week. And we are going to try and re-record. I, I haven't talked to Loretta about this yet, but uh, we had an hour and a half special show that I was pulling my hair out on and, and, and my system crashed. Apparently, Microsoft's... Uh, driver update system uh, was not updating the system like it should have and when I tried to save the thing the whole the whole episode was lost so we're going to be working to put that show back together and um, so stay tuned and thank you again for tuning in have a great week everybody just when you thought it couldn't get any better I wanted to let you guys know about a great local company that uh we support and that meets here at the Amokan Coffee Social Club. So stay tuned here for just a couple more minutes and hear from Josh Silzo. All right, uh, we are joined right now with, by a good friend of ours, Josh Silzo. And Josh is the owner of Cold Frontier, is it Tactics? Tactical? Tra Cold Frontier Training and Tactics. Training and Tactics. So, Josh, tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, so we're just a uh, small town. Uh, company that offers firearms and family safety training here on the Kenai Peninsula. And so, um, what what typically what what typically do you guys do? I mean, what what does what does that training look like? If uh, I know that you offer a variety of different classes, can you run through a couple of those real quick? Sure, we offer things like the Alaska Concealed Handgun Permit class. That's probably our most popular thing that we do. Um, but we also offer basic, intermediate, and advanced level classes with uh, pistols and rifles. And uh, we do a few things that are kind of unique to us. I think we have a medical interventions and vehicle counter ambush class. It's basically uh, taking concealed carry to the next level. We talk about if you're going to carry a firearm, you should have the skills and tools uh, to 
also fix and plug holes. So if you're right. carrying stop, stop the bleed. People that carry firearms are generally worried about uh, getting holes poked in them, and uh, as well as uh, putting you know putting fire onto other human beings. And we need to have the ability to patch ourselves and people we care up if they get hurt. Um, so that class uh, has is kind of a dual focus class. Part of it is uh, immediate medical care for for trauma, and then uh, also the second part of it is kind of what I'd call like an advanced concealed carry. Uh, you know, the average American spends somewhere around eight hours a week in our vehicle. So if we're going to get in some kind of a dangerous, asocial, violent con- encounter, there's a there's a large chance it will be in or around vehicles. So it focuses on just a civilian concealed carry uh, type application to uh, defending yourself in and around vehicles as a part of your environment. We also have done a uh, medium-range tactical rifle class that kind of combines a, a classic carbine class with uh, stretching the distances out and uh, just seeing uh, what our defensive rifles are capable of doing at distances out to five or six hundred yards. So we have it's a two-day course. The first day is kind of a defensive carbine-type class that's, uh, you know, I'd say a beginner to intermediate level. And then the second day we take out to the known distance range and we just put steel targets out at all different distances. We talk about data on prior engagement and windage and elevation. It has a real good secondary um, application to hunters and folks that are looking at trying to uh, accurately put hits on targets at different distances. Right, right. I remember when I was out in Nome, I went uh, fox hunting, and and we were shooting across this uh, this little valley uh, outside the dump because the foxes would come in and out of the dump to get right. trash. And I'll tell you what, you know, hitting a fox that's running, uh, unless you under, really understand the, the physics behind shooting and and your firearm well, uh, it's, that's a challenge, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So developing those skills. I can tell folks on the... On, who are listening right now that um, I have taken the carry conceal class my, both my wife and I uh, with uh, Cold Frontier and uh, coming into that class I, I told Josh that uh, you know and he, he found out pretty quickly I wasn't a very good shot and um, <laughs> but it was amazing we put a lot of lead down range and um, the class uh, you know is kind of a half and half classroom and half and half uh, you know maybe two-thirds at the range by the end of the class, I was hitting 80% or over 80% of my targets. And um, just uh, they, were help, they were able to help me with some body uh, mechanics that I hadn't ever really considered. And also, I'm cross-eyed dominant. Can you tell us a little bit about cross-eyed dominance? Oh, yeah. Because I think it's a common issue with people. Yeah, we have a lot of people come through that are cross-eyed dominant. I'm actually cross-eyed dominant. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of times people are like right-handed and left-eyed. That's probably the most common cross-eyed dominance That's issue me. we see. And uh, a lot of times people that do that, they've been told by instructors for years that they need to switch to shooting with their offhand, their support side hand. Uh, so for a right-hander, switching to shooting left-handed. And the problem is that most of us righties are not very ambidextrous and we're not good at doing things left-handed. And of course, that's a broad generalization. But most of the time, I encourage people, rather than doing that, to do a few things to adapt physically. You know, we have kind of a little head tilt we teach people where they shift the opposite side eye another thing is we we use uh, a shooting technique uh, a modification of the isosceles shooting technique where we're shooting off the center line of our body so it kind of centers the sights up in front of our face instead of being off hard to one side like some other styles of shooting um, 
Well, body mechanics, are, yeah. you know, I mean, my whole life, I, you know, I, my folks were, my dad was uh, ex-military, my granddad was ex-military, all, all sportsmen and hunters, and and uh, I was never part of a shooting club, but, you know, they taught me the best way they could, and, and um, so I spent most of my life, you know, squinting one eye and shooting out of the other, and, right, right. and uh, developed some pretty bad muscle memory kind of things that... Sure. I had to overcome, and so I really appreciate um, the the guidance of of this company and uh, their heart for the community. We have a rule mm-hmm. here in the coffee shop that is, uh, you know, we'll actually give you a discount if you come in packing, but it has to be uh, in a holster, and we tell you that the the firearm must remain in the holster while you're in the shop and should not come out for any reason other than an emergency. And then we ask that judicious marksmanship be uh, practiced because I don't want to get shot by somebody who is trying to save me from a bad guy. And the, the reality is bad guys are training like good guys are training. That's true. That and, is true. And we need to, we need to, if, if we're going to own guns, I mean, it's great to be pro second amendment, but if we're going to own guns, we're going to have guns around our houses. We're going to have kids around our guns. You never know who's going to be in and out of your house. It's just a, a responsibility of a well-armed uh, citizenry to be also well-educated, and, and that's what Cold Frontier is doing. So Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that the Founding Fathers supported the idea that the citizenry would not just be armed on par with the kinds of threats that they would face, foreign and domestic, but that they would be well-trained uh, and disciplined to use those firearms in a responsible way that promote safe community and that's really what we're all about well and you know the statistics uh, show that i think it was last year um the more firearms were bought last year by women than ever ever recorded mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of new firearm owners out there part yeah. of the reason why we have uh the the ammunition shortage we have um in addition to you know supply chain and lockdown and all that kind of stuff under covid but um there's a lot of new gun owners out there who feel threatened by whatever, maybe Antifa and the riots and uh, Black Lives Matter stuff and all the turmoil socially and politically that we're facing. And they just want they want to be able to have a little bit of a sense of security. But really, that that gun's not going to be very useful to you if you don't actually get together with somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, get some good instruction and put some lead downrange in a controlled environment where you can actually become familiar with that firearm and and know what your responsibilities are. Speaking of that, you also have a, a legal element to your classes. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, there's a there's a legal element that's required for the Alaska Concealed Handgun Permit class, um, and that's that's uh, something that's enshrined in the state's regulations surrounding how those permits get issued. And so uh, really what it is is a familiarization with the laws of the state of Alaska and how uh, force can be used. We're talking about ordinary physical force as well as deadly force uh, again it's not uh, the class is not a, a legal advice session with a lawyer it's just an opportunity to get educated about what the law is which protects you because you are going to interact with the law if you discharge that firearm oh yeah absolutely. especially if somebody is downrange yeah absolutely yep and so just just some things that are basic legal knowledge on a on an understandable level for the average citizen about how to protect yourself from getting into legal trouble which some well-intentioned people have by misusing firearms right right can you tell us a little bit about your pricing i mean what 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 can people expect when they sign up for a class with uh with cold frontier yeah i mean the price varies based on the length of the class how in-depth it is and sometimes the um 
the gear or material you walk out the door with. So something like our medical interventions class, I think runs about 225 bucks. But when you leave that class, you leave with a, uh, an IFAC, an individual first aid kit, and the materials that are in there would cost you probably somewhere in the realm of 150 to 200 dollars. Folks, that's a tremendous value. Right, and right. and so and you have the training to use those tools too, because that's a part of the class. It's just basic trauma re- response kit that you can put on the headrest of your car, or in your backpack when you go hunting. Yeah, I mean, you fall down, you get you get skewered right. by a stick. Any kind of hole that gets punched in you, whether it's a bullet or a knife or or yeah. something natural or you know i mean right and our concealed carry classes run about two hundred dollars and then um it depends if uh if folks are members of at the range at snowshoe gun club where we hold most of our shooting classes um if you're a member then there's no additional charge if you're not a member the range charges a 75 dollar range use fee for non-members to take our classes right right well folks that's uh interview with cold frontier and um, what's a what's a good place? What's your what's your Facebook uh, or website? And how can people? We find don't have you? Facebook anymore. We got chased off. Oh man, <laughs> man. Yeah, um, we don't want to have well-educated gun owners who actually know what they're doing. Just just vigilantes running around crazy. Right. Thank no. you, Facebook. <laughs> no, uh, we just we have a website. Our website is www.coldfrontiertraining.com. And is there a good phone number people can reach you out to, you or is really the website the best way? The website's generally the best way but we do have a business phone and we try to be uh, diligent to answer that as much as we can Uh, the business phone is 907-741-9065 okay folks so you've uh, just been listening to the ammo can hour of power and enlightenment conservative hour in power and enlightenment salon and this is just a special interview with one of the vendors in our community that's doing some good work uh educating people and we all could use a little more education if you want to check them out uh, go to their website you can come in we also have their information posted uh, here in the shop and we also carry a bunch of their swag in the back That's right. uh, of the room so if you're looking for a t-shirt it says soldatna on it and and reflects uh, the pride that we have in gun ownership and uh, the responsibility we have uh, to uh, exercise our second amendment rights uh, you can come and find that here at ammo can hopefully you sign up uh, for one of these classes it would be a great you know we're headed into the holidays it'd be a great gift uh, for a loved one who uh, has purchased a new firearm or that you're going to be giving a firearm to as a gift Um, or uh, maybe you've got some kids that you're that you're um, uh, getting they're getting old enough to handle firearms and you want to have some competency working with them and so um, reach out thanks josh for the interview and um, we'll get back to the regular program all right thanks jason